meet me in the gospel of Matthew chapter 17. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And I want to stir your faith today to actually believe God for miracle money. Now, I know that normally when you receive money or income, it's something perhaps that you've earned and here comes your paycheck or something like that. But my friends, let's never dismiss the miraculous element of God and his mighty works. I want you to see this today, and we're going to have a great time in the word of God, and God's going to bless you. Every dimension, every facet of your life is going to be flooded and engulfed with the glory, hear me today, and the goodness of God. Now, Matthew chapter 17 Let's go down to the last verse in that chapter, which is verse 27. Jesus, speaking to Peter, said, Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Please say today, money. Okay? Take that and give it to them for me and you. All right, so the tax bill was supernaturally paid with money that miraculously appeared in the mouth of a fish. Now, we know that this is a miracle uh, substantiated by the word of wisdom, uh, supernatural word of wisdom instruction to carry out this act. But all in all, all said and done, it is still a money miracle. My friends, I want you to be open today to money miracles. You're not just limited to your earned income. You're not just limited to an inheritance that you may or may not get from a relative. Uh, you are not bound by uh, earthly limitations as a tither, as a person who is in covenant financially with God. God can come in and surprise you from angles that you were not even aware of. Okay, so I have received offerings before in the ministry that were anonymous. I don't know who they came from. I may never find out who they came from on this side of the veil, and only when I get to heaven will it be made known, unless even in heaven that person wants it to be anonymous. But my friends, God can bless you through somebody you know, somebody you don't know, through your employer that you may know, or just through a vehicle or means that you are completely unaware of. I want you to be expecting the miracle working power of God to touch, literally, your finances. You know, right now, my wife Kelly and daughter Abigail are in California uh, visiting. Uh, uh, Kelly's visiting her parents. And, uh, you know, Kelly called me on the phone yesterday and said, please pray because my money bag has been stolen. And so she pulled into the hotel and was taking care of a few things at the uh, check-in desk outside, uh, of, you know, making sure the car is going to be parked and stuff like that. Set down her purse just for a few seconds. And during that time, uh, inside of Kelly's purse, there was a, uh, a, a little uh, holder for, for cash. And during that time, somebody apparently reached in there very quickly and grabbed that little uh, uh, thing that held all the cash, and it disappeared. And it wasn't until just right after that that Kelly realized, once she kind of got settled in the hotel room, somebody has stolen the cash. And so she called me on the phone and said, you know, please pray. Somebody just stole all, all the cash that I had. Now, this, in a sense, is not that dramatic from the comparison of they didn't take credit cards. They didn't take the driver's license and, and all of, you know, Social Security card and thing like, things like that. Uh, that would have been a, a disaster. You know, you got to get on the phone all day and start calling all the credit card companies, you know, cancel this, cancel that, cancel all the bank cards, everything. Uh, so that was not stolen, but nevertheless, who wants to lose cash? And look, uh, they didn't take just 20 or $25. They took all the cash that she had in there, uh, to cover her trip and the expenses. And so, you know, that's, that's not good news. And so she said, pray. And so I, I begin to pray and I just sensed in my spirit that God is somehow going to help in this situation praise god and so uh you know she reports it to the security there and they have security cameras and they begin to check the security cameras but wouldn't you know it right where she sat her purse at was an area that the camera did not cover now they covered the lobby pretty well and they covered the front desk where you check in at very well but out here where the uh, cars pull up and they do your valet that was not covered so um it appeared to be a lost cause. And I actually thought 
Lord, I'm just going to have to sow that as seed. I'm not going to let the devil uh, get the upper hand on me. If it's stolen and it's gone, I'm not going to be uh, playing the role of a victim. I'm just going to sow it as seed, and, uh, uh, and I'm just going to take that money that was stolen and just say, Lord, uh, I'm sowing it as seed for that guy's salvation or gal's salvation, whoever took it, that they be saved and that they be brought into the ministry. Hallelujah. And, Lord, I'm, I'm also going to believe that you're going to restore financially what was taken. And so I just, you know, I was prepared to do that uh, unless it shows back up. Well, uh, you know, after Kelly talking to the security officer, and they, they basically said, we're sorry, it's we can, we can't determine who stole it because it's uh, out of the range of the cameras. Well, today, Kelly went down to pick her car up. She's heading out this morning, and they bring it around, bring the car around from valet. She gets into the car, and guess what? The money is back in the car. Honestly, I think somebody got a little bit nervous. A little bit of heat was beginning to get applied, and probably the manager said, look, one of you guys, you, know, you only have so many people working in valet, right? One of you took it. And so uh, before we start getting down to the nitty-gritty, just put it back, and everything's going to be okay. So the money appeared back in the car today. Now, look, if a person did that, that, that that's wonderful. That's miraculous grace, okay? And uh, God will... Uh, God will uh, help a person who's trying to at least amend their wrongs. But you know what? Even if a person did not put that money back in there, the bottom line is the money got put back in there. Okay, So whether an angel went and took that literally from that person and stuck it back in the car, because Kelly told me exactly where it got put at, and she looked there personally with her own eyes. It was not there yesterday after it had been stolen. And here comes the car, and there it is. It's back in the car. Look, with miracles, you don't always have to figure it all out. We don't have to scrutinize this to a place where we have uh, cognizant uh, recognition of a analytical understanding. No, no, we, we don't have time to use large jargon like that. No, just we just want we want to we want to be blessed. Hallelujah! And if it takes a miracle, that's all right. And now, now if something else unfolds that uh, perhaps it doesn't work the way we want, we can always sow supernatural seed. Praise God! But God brought it all back. Nothing was missing not even one dollar bill. Praise God. Hallelujah. My friends, God can do miracles for you if he has to make it appear to you out of the blue. I have a prophet friend who lost a knife, and the knife was given to him. It's, it's just a small pocket knife. It, it, doesn't have, uh, in, uh, it doesn't have value in the sense that it's made of gold. It has no gold. It's just a piece of metal with a sharp blade uh, that folds, and you, know, you can put it in your pocket and carry it around. But this uh, this prophet friend of mine received this knife from a distinguished prophet who had a worldwide prophetic ministry, and he gave him that little pocket knife, and my friend lost it. And he just was so aggravated that he lost the pocket knife. And really, he wasn't sure if he lost it or if somebody stole it. But the, here, here's the bottom line. It's gone, and he wishes that he had it back. And he said that one day he was just, you know, talking to the Lord uh, just sh shortly after this took place, and he said, Lord... He said, that knife was a blessing to me. It meant something very special to me. He said, I want my knife back. And when he said that, the knife appeared right before him and thump, just fell on the floor. I mean, appeared in the air and just fell on the floor. He picked it up. And he got his knife back. Please, we can't explain all of these things. We're not even going to try to. We don't need to. The main thing is just take your blessing and keep on going. Take your miracle and go pay your taxes. Hallelujah. And, and my friends, I want you to expect, as a, as a covenant tither, I want you to expect literal money miracles to take place in your life. Now, I, I'm not saying that when something happens, we don't need to... Uh, uh, skip over ethics. In other words, if a lot of money appears in your checking account, you need to call the bank. It is possible that they made an error, and we don't want to go out and spend that and uh, and then have to somehow repay all of that. No, we need to call. Look, if it's real miracle from God, it will hold up to scrutiny. Okay, It will hold up, and it will pass 
the test. You know, I walked out of the bank one day after making a ministry deposit of the whopping $40. Now, every $40 does help, but that was the compilation of all the money that had come in that day, $5, $10. And of course, you know, as a ministry, even as a person, even if I'm not running a ministry, even as a person, you can't live on $40 a day. Uh, And as a ministry, uh, we, we cannot keep the doors open with $40 a day. But nevertheless, that's okay. That's what came in today. So I'm praising the Lord for my $40 deposit. But you understand it's still just $40, right? So I, I make the ministry deposit of $40. The teller who has worked there for 35 years uh, makes the automatic deposit, hands me the receipt. I start to walk out of the bank, and I glance down and look at the receipt, and uh, she had just deposited $4 million into my account. No, no, not 40000 not 400000 She had just put $4 million into my account. Now, I could have ran out of the door snickering and grinning and got in my car and said, Look, I've got two hours, Lord, to shop as fast as I can before they find out what went wrong. But no, I, I didn't do that because that's only going to cause a problem. You know that. So if it's a real miracle, it'll hold up. If, it, it, but if you're not sure, investigate it uh, to the sense of like making sure it's verified and good to go. Well, I turned right around, walked back to her. And I said, hey, I think you got a little bit happy over there on your keypad. I said, take a look at this. And she looked at it, and she gasped. And she said, I have been here 35 years now. She's retired. I think she retired after year number 37. She said, I've been here 35 years. I have never once done that ever. And she said, you know, we would have caught that. I said, yeah, I'm sure you would have caught it. But I could have had a lot of fun in the interim if I'd been a naughty guy. And she laughed, and I laughed. And, uh, you know, we have to do things the right way. So, yes, God will do miracles. And I do believe I'm going to make a $4 million deposit into the ministry account uh, by the grace of God. That is going to happen. But, my friends, we have to do it the right way and have a good conscience. But still, hold to the word of God. God can do money miracles. And many times they won't make sense. You might not even be able to figure out where it came from. And uh, some things we have to account for, but some other things... Uh, you can always um, maybe, uh, uh, how can I say, explain it uh, fully. So we must always be open to the miracle ability of God to touch our finances. Pastor Stephen, I want to know who slipped that money underneath my door. No, you don't need to know that. You just need to take it now and go pay your bills. But pay your tithe first. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Let's get ready now to receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God so that the work of God through this ministry will flourish all throughout the earth. Hallelujah. If you want to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, zip code 28117. You can go online and bring your tithes and offerings in online by visiting the ministry website of stephenbrooks.org. There on the home page is a link called Tithes and Offerings Sow and Reap, and you can go there now at this time and bring the tithes into the storehouse and also sow seed as the Holy Spirit leads and as your heart desires to do so. Heavenly Father, bless your people today. Let them experience the grace of miracle money. Now, Father, we thank you. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Be looking for it. Amen and amen. Well, I want to share a subject today that we have not covered before, and I want to talk about our Lord God and his name revealed in Scripture as Jehovah Nissi. Okay, so please take your Bibles. Let's go back to where it's revealed at in the Word of God. That would be, of course, Exodus chapter 17, and we'll pick it up in verse 8. Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit come now, bringing light, illumination, understanding to the very eyes of our heart, so that we can see your Word, take it, apply it to our lives even today. Now, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Please agree with me and say around the world, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, and let's work our way through this as we also see some, uh, see a phenomenal perspective of the power of prayer. Okay, so we'll start in verse 8. And the Bible says, Now Amalek came and fought 
with Israel in Rephidim. Rephidim, uh, somewhere out in the Sinai wilderness area. Uh, you're in a desert area, and uh, Israel is being attacked by Amalek out of all the surrounding nations that there are. They are kind of skirting the territories and passing through as they're on their journey. Out of all of these nations, Amalek is the first one to actually attack Israel without a single cause. Uh, the Amalekites, they liked their camels. They were a nomadic tribe living in the Negev Desert. Of course, the Negev is the southern part of Israel, and if you ever drive down uh, south beyond the Dead Sea, you're driving through some pretty rugged desert area, and uh, these are the descendants of Esau, okay? So these are the Amalekites, and they came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, his protege, he said to him, choose us some men and go out, fight, well, Amalek, I like that. Fight. Praise God. I think we're living in a culture, a global movement that has lost its ability to stand up to evil and fight. And there's a place, my friends, where you not only should defend yourself, you must defend yourself for the sake of your uh, salvation and the sake of your posterity. Go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Well, if he's going to stand on the top of the hill, Moses, the main man, the leader, is going to have a really good view of the battle as it unfolds. Uh, verse 10, so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Everybody has their place. There's the place for the warriors. There's the place for those that are supposed to pray. Uh, but we don't need Moses down there doing the fighting. Let's let the young guys do that, who are much more vigorous, who are fresh and polished with their sword training. And uh, it's good, uh, good training for them. Let's get those guys down there, and we'll have uh, the older guys uh, direct, provide strategy, and very importantly, provide prayer covering. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, now Aaron would be the older brother of Moses. So you have Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. Uh, her is interesting because uh, we don't see too much about him in Scripture. Uh, we do know that he is from the tribe of Judah, and the rabbis teach that her was actually the son of Miriam. So if he's the son of Miriam, remember Miriam in the dancing uh, with the tambourine? Uh, since he was the son of Miriam, that means that Moses and Aaron are his uncles, and he is their nephew. Well, uh, he disappears quite quickly off the scene from Scripture, and the Jewish rabbis, with their uh, great knowledge of history and family history, they're uh, experts in recording things, uh, they teach us that what happened to her is that he was killed, or actually murdered, when he tried to prevent the making of the golden calf. And that takes place just shortly after uh, our, what we're going to be looking at today. So it was with the murder of uh, her that uh, Aaron then gave in to the intimidation of the people to make the golden calf. But nevertheless, God always has a resounding grace uh, that will come forth for those that serve him, even if it looks like they lost. If they lost in Christ, they'll win eternally. And it was the grandson of her who was instrumental in the building of the tabernacle. So Moses had the tabernacle plan, but he needed somebody with some serious skills. And not, not, I'm talking multitasking skills, and that person was Bezalel, who was the grandson of her. And so God uh, just brought forth redemption for her through his grandson. And that guy was phenomenal. He had goldsmith ability. He worked with silver. He worked with uh, bronze. He worked with uh, expensive embroidery. Uh, he could custom design and fabricate anything. He was absolutely incredible. And so uh, we see the grace of God reflected uh, through 
Hur's grandson. Okay, so we have Moses, Aaron, and Hur. Uh, they went up to the top of the hill, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Well, I think when this began to unfold, Moses was probably like, hey, is this really happening? So he's trying to hold his hand up, and he gets, gets so tired after a while. Uh, you, you know, uh, professional violin players, they have the ability to hold that violin for hours at a time, and you might think that's easy until you actually start doing it. Uh, and so those are special uh, muscles, fine motor skills within the muscles uh, that have been built up in order to hold that position for hours and hours without experiencing the normal type of fatigue but Moses probably thought, is this really happening? So he'd probably drop his hand, and then he sees they're losing. He puts it back up, and now they're starting to win, and he drops it again. Oh, they're losing, and so he puts it back up. Now they're winning. And so he realized very, very quickly that this this is a parallel of a natural battle uh, connected with a spiritual battle. So if we win the spiritual battle, it will be reflected in a victory in the natural battle. This is one of the most amazing revelations of how to attain victory through persistent prayer that we have in the Old Covenant. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now, you know, I guess uh, a person could say, well, that doesn't make any sense. How does that work? How does what he's doing up on that hill affect these guys down here fighting? I mean, the guys fighting, it just comes down to training. It comes down to your skill with your sword or with, or with your spear and to military strategy. We don't have to involve prayer, but no, no, my friends, that battle was either going to be won or lost by what took place on the on, on the hill. Now, look, they still have to fight, right? I think that's what we miss sometimes. We want God to do it all, and we just pray and pray and pray. But there are times God can deliver without a skirmish, without a battle, and God will do all the fighting for us. There's other times he will help us win, but we're going to still have to get in there and fight. And that's what's going on right here. But there's a direct correlation be going, uh, excuse me, between the natural and the spiritual, and it's very important that we pray, okay? So, uh, verse 12 says, but Moses' hands became heavy. I imagine so, if you're trying to do this for hours and hours. So they took a stone and put it under him. Okay, so let's help him out. Let's give him a seat. Let's do all we can to help Moses because the hand of God is upon his life. And for whatever reason, God has chosen him to be the instrument through which his intercessory uh, power is going to flow through to affect those that are under his covering and the umbrella of his authority. Hallelujah. Look, you're going to have to be the one that prays for your children that are still living in your house, that are under your umbrella. Why? Because you're the one sitting on that rock with your hands up. You're the one that's going to pray. Because why? They're, they're your children. They're, they're the ones that God has given you oversight of. And it would really be irresponsible to try to take that that requirement and put it over on somebody else when you're the one that God says, you have to be the one that carries this load. Now, I know that it can be difficult, and you can need some support. God will help with that, but nevertheless, you are the Moses of your family. You are the Moses over your business. You are the Moses over your life, and you're going to have to do some uh, spiritual battles in prayer. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And I'd have been like, hey, look, do you want me, uh, Moses, do I need to make a Starbucks run for you with a little caffeine help? I mean, do you want a Red Bull? He may have said, you know, he probably said, look, I don't want anything to do with these bulls. we got enough golden calf problems already. So let's let's scratch that. But, you know, the thing is, let's help this guy out. Let's help the man of God. Let's help the boss, because if this goes down, we might not have a job, okay? So let's let's all push, and let's all work, and let's try to get this big contract, and let's try to see the company uh, profit. We're shareholders. We're our stakeholders in this together. Let's see this thing prosper, because if it goes through, we all get pulled through to victory together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't just all put the whole thing on the leader. We do our part, but we and 
we need to pray for the leader, and we all need to we all need to fight. Joshua's down there fighting. Moses is up there uh, praying. Aaron and her are doing all they can as supporters to uh, uh, encourage Moses and and to help him uh, to be as comfortable as he can in an uncomfortable situation. There are sometimes you can't let up, and I know you're tired. I know that you don't want to have to do this now, but there there are no other routes. There are no other options. So what happens is that you must do it. And when it's done, you can rest later. When it's done, now you can sit down and have a meal and watch your TV show. Okay. When it's done, now you can go out and go shopping. When it's done, you can do what you need to do. But until it's done, you you cannot skip it. If you do, you face the potential of experiencing defeat. Verse 13, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Okay, so the natural and the spiritual, we need to have the balance of both. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called this name, the Lord is my banner. Or in Hebrew, uh, it would be Jehovah Nisi. Uh, it says, verse 16, for he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, I think the name of God, that this is one of the eight compound names of God, and when I say compound, we have the name Jehovah, but there are various expressions of Jehovah's name because he's so awesome that it takes uh, it takes multifaceted dimension to express his goodness. So we have Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, who is your provider. We have Jehovah uh, uh, Shama, Jehovah uh, Roe, Jehovah Tzidkanu, and on and on it goes. Uh, today we are discussing, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are discussing Jehovah Nissi. And it says, the Lord is my banner. But I think when we leave it like that, uh, we really miss the intent of what God's name is being referred to here. Actually, when you say the Lord is my banner, it actually sounds cute. It, it's kind of like, it's like, sounds sweet. Like, let, let's just wave a flag. The Lord's my banner. I remember that I used to be in a certain a Christian businessmen's association, and they had a song. Uh, it, now, this song carries back to the old days of Pentecostal, uh, uh, you know, 1950s and 60s and so forth. But the song went like this. He brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. And it was just like a real sweet song. It's a nice song, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the song, but I think if you just sang that song, and if you just see an image in your mind of flags flying or banners flying, you think, isn't that wonderful? And that's not at all what this is referring to. Woo! Praise the Lord. So stay with me as we dig into the meaning of Jehovah Nissi, because for many of us, it's a lost meaning, and if we don't understand that we can't tap into uh, the rhema word of it and extract the strength from it. Now, every tribe in Israel, out of 12 tribes, every tribe had their own banner. So if you had Gad, you had Asher, you had Judah, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, whoever it might be, they all had their own banner. Uh, Naphtali, Manasseh. Okay, so whenever they went into war, whenever the nation went into war, each tribe had their tribal banner. But look, you pull out the banners when you're going to war, okay? So I want you to notice that this thing having to do with Jehovah Nisi, this thing having to do with a banner or like a flag-type image, has to do with going in to war. The Lord God is a man of war, the Scriptures say. So this is not just some like little wave a little flag around and that makes you feel good that God's somehow wrapping a banner around your head. No, no, that this this means that God is bringing forth an armed defense. Woo! Get ready today for an armed defense. I want to talk further about Jehovah Nissi. Let's take our Bibles and go to oh, an amazing revelation of this. In Isaiah 59, a lot of scholars have really tossed this one verse around. Of course, that's going to be verse 19. 
in an effort to grasp it and really, you know, try to understand what was Isaiah talking about. But I think really the meaning is just right before us. And when we take it uh, as it has been translated uh, from the KJV and also the uh, New King James Version, uh, they nailed it, and it's accurate. So let's see if we can uh, jump into further uh, understanding of Jehovah Nisi and these banners of war. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. All right, verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood. Ooh, have you ever had that happen in your life? When the enemy comes in like a flood. Now, theologians, in an effort to explain this verse, because they haven't really understood it. Uh, see, that that's the problem with theologians. They're excellent in Hebrew and Greek, and they're excellent in historical knowledge. But when it comes to experiencing these things in real life, many times they haven't had the real life experience because they're they're in class too much. They're doing uh, too much kind of how can I say uh, too much stuff where they're actually removed from real life experiences, and it's not like they're living in the real world, having a strong walk with God. They're just teaching, studying, studying, and and so they're missing a lot of the spiritual aspect of it. So they tried to you know there's a comma here uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord, and so they said, well, now the comma's in the wrong place, and it's not really the enemy coming in like a flood, it's the Holy Spirit coming in like a flood, and they don't really know what to do with this verse, but look, uh, it's translated properly. The comma is in the right spot, so let's look at it again. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and look, he does. We, we've all experienced that. We don't need a theologian to teach us that, well, that can't happen. No, he can come in sometimes with tremendous attacks when we're weak, when we didn't expect it. And you, oftentimes that's how he'll do it because he, he plans these things. And it seems like, Lord, we're being overwhelmed. Lord, we'll be, we're being hit from all sides. I mean, you know, in natural battle. That's how they do it in, in, in whether it's World War II, World War I, or, or the, the plethora of wars that take place around the earth at different times. Uh, if, a, if an enemy is attacking, they're going uh, to try to attack you at your weak moment, maybe when you're not expecting it. Uh, you know, uh, Israel was attacked on the day of Yom Kippur. Uh, that's the most holy day of the year uh, to them, the Day of Atonement. So uh, no, nothing's going on. Uh, everything's shut down. The whole nation's shut down, and that's when they were attacked. And so the enemy can just pour in like a flood sometimes, and it can seem, it can seem like God. If, if you don't do something, we are going to get overwhelmed. Uh, Lord, we're going to get overrun here. And if you don't move quick, if the cavalry don't show up, we're going to get scalped. Okay. And so something has to happen because the enemy has made a very powerful move, even even surging in, breaking perhaps the gates down, and it looks like the whole city is going to get overrun, and uh, and they and we cannot repel the enemy. So I think there is a place where you need to understand that if that ever happens, there's still hope because God's not done yet. But but look, you really need to know who Jehovah Nisi is. If you know his name, if you know that character of, of his of the quality of what makes him God, I believe you'll see it manifest in your life. In other words, if the Lord God is your healer, then you believe him for your healing. If the Lord God is your banner, and uh, these are war banners, then you can expect God. I'm, I'm, think about this. You can expect God to come fight with you and for you against your enemy. Now, that's a game changer right there, okay? So, again, verse 19, part B, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Okay, so this is what people think. Okay, so the enemy's pouring in. 
We're about to be overrun and we're about to be slaughtered, but uh, the Spirit of the Lord, He's going to lift up a banner and we're all going to sing His banner over me is love. Oh, brother, I love you so much. We're about to die, but brother, I just love you so much. Let's just wave those flags around while we all get butchered. No, 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 that's not at all what this is referring to. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up against the enemy a standard against him. What is the standard? It's the banner. What does the banner represent? Whether you're looking back in Exodus chapter 17 when they went to war, and, and, and Moses said, look, get some guys together. We're going to war, and we're going to fight those Amalekites. Or whether it's the many references throughout Isaiah about the standard, uh, about the banner, it's all basically saying, look, God's coming in, and he is mounting an armed defense. What does that say? It says, Mr. Devil, you're going to come like that? You're going to bring your stuff? You're going to have a fight because we're fighting back. We're not going to let you come in and put cancer on us and ransack our bodies. No, 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 no. We're fighting back with the sword of the Spirit. We're going to give everything we have. We're not lay down, knock over easy type Christians that are just hunky-dory to just die for no reason. My friends, we're going to, we're going to fight back against the enemy, the Spirit of the Lord. He can come upon your life when it seems like you're about to be overwhelmed. When you say, dear God, I, I don't know if I can go another day. Lord, I don't know if I can go another hour. Okay, so when those things hit you and the enemy is pressuring, pushing, pushing, and you feel like you're going to break, you need to look for Jehovah Nissi. Not, not, not coming in waving a little flag around. No, no. He's coming in with the banner. Yes, that is a standard. He's lifting it up. What does that mean? It means he's mounting an aggressive armed defense for you, and there's going to be a fight. Woo! Can you believe God coming to help you uh, fight for you and repelling the enemy? Just when he thought he had you, he begins to push back the enemy. The grace of God begins to come over your life, and you escape. You escape. Hallelujah. That's what that means. You could literally translate this verse like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up an armed defense against him. And there are several translations that translate it literally like that. That lifting up the standard means, hey, grab your spears, grab your swords. We're fighting for that person. They're, they're under attack. Let's get in there and help them now. And it's not just coming in, but it's coming in and pushing the enemy back. Who comes in and lifts this standard up? Who comes in and fights for you? The Holy Spirit. Who can beat the Holy Spirit? Well, Pastor Stephen, you don't know the things I face. I, I don't know what you face, but I know, I know that they can't overcome the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of God. This is the third person of the Godhead deity. So, my friends, he is invincible. Hallelujah. And he will come and he will turn the enemy back. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard and armed defense against uh, against him, against your enemy. You know, many years back, when I was a young man in college, and you know, and when I did this, whoever thought that decades down the road I would have thought of this. But, uh, you know, we, we were in college one day and, and, uh, we got together, a group of us, and I, I can't even remember why we got together, but we were each assigned to do a skit, some type of a Christian skit. This was a Christian university, and so we're going to uh, act out a Christian skit, and uh, the skit is supposed to be a blessing to uh, those that are in attendance, okay? And so uh, they, they, they kind of gathered the leaders together, and the leaders are going to like, put skits together. So three to a team, three, three uh, to a team, and you each present your skit. So me and two other guys got together. Okay, so it was me and my friend Monty. Uh, Monty, he's now in law enforcement today. Uh, and, and then another guy named Jeff. So me, Monty, and Jeff, we all got together, and we came up with this skit. And uh, I, now look, at that time in my life, I had no revelation of who Jehovah Nissi was. I had never even heard the name before. But we came up this, with this skit, and it was a marvelous representation of who Jehovah Nissi is. All right, so here's how the skit went. 
uh, they knew that I had uh, uh, been uh, involved in a lot of martial arts and I had taken uh, you know martial art training so I could I could do all the kicks and all the jumps and all the spins and stuff like that so we put this skit together I'm going to be the devil I'm the bad guy Monte uh, my friend, he's going to be the weak Christian who struggles with certain sins and certain weaknesses and certain things that uh, he, he's having a difficult time overcoming. And our friend Jeff, uh, who plays a very small role in the skit, he's going to be playing the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So this thing goes back and forth with me and Monty. Monty is in his room and he's praying and uh, I'm the devil. I come up and I knock on the door. Okay, I'm knocking on Monty's door. He comes, he comes to the door, and he answers the door, and he's greeted by me, the devil. What do I do? I do what the devil always uh, does. I just jumped into the room. I beat him up. I punched him. I kicked him. Uh, you know, I, uh, we had, we had uh, acted this out. We kind of choreographed it, you know, as you could say, uh, before we did the skit. So it looked really good. I mean, the people that were watching thought, man, he's beating the daylights out of that guy. Well, I, did, I never hit him, but, you know, we're kind of like faking this out, kind of like, you know, professional wrestling. And, um, you know, I'm throwing him on the floor, and, and it looks like I'm punching him in the face, and it looks like I'm uh, doing kicks to his head and stuff like that. And so after I, I would beat him up real good, I would leave, okay? And then some time would go by, maybe a day or two in the skit. It would appear like a day or two would go by. And then I would go back, knock on his door. He answers the door, and I beat him up all over again, the devil beating up the weak Christian. Well, in the skit, Monty finally gets fed up with this, and he's in his room praying. And he says, Lord, the enemy, when he comes in, I, I can't handle this. He's just steamrolling me. And I, I look. he said, Lord... I, I, I'm trying to resist the devil. I'm trying to be strong in you. But, Lord, unless you help me, I cannot repel this guy. He is too much for me, and I, I keep giving in. And, Lord, I'm going to need your help. And he says, now, Lord, the next time that devil knocks on my door, I'm asking you to answer the door. Okay, all right, so here here comes uh, me. All right, I'm playing the role of the devil. And I come back around to old Monty's house, and I don't know that Monty's had this conversation with God. And I knock on the door, and I can hardly wait for Monty to open the door up so I can beat the daylights out of him again. Okay, And uh, uh, I'm waiting for that door to open, but this time when the door opened up, there's Jeff standing there. Now, Jeff came in with a white robe. He was dressed like Jesus. And when the door opens, he's standing there, and everybody in the audience starts screaming. <laughs> Because he looked like he looked like the Lord, and I when I saw him, you know, my my role is to like shock and oh no, you know, I'm at the wrong house and you know run away uh, and that type of thing. But see, my friends, that's what Jehovah Nissi does. He fights for you because the the enemy he can pour in. You, you can think, okay, God, unless you do something, the nation is going to go into disaster. God, unless you do something, our business may fold. God, unless you do something, uh, we're having a real problem over here. My friends, I want you to know that Jehovah Nisi can answer the door for you. He can take that tough call. He can take the devil on. And uh, Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have to fight. I'm not going to say that we're going to let Moses sit up on the hill and do all the work. You're going to have to be like Joshua. You're going to have to resist. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to do all you can. But my friends, when you do all you can, if it seems like you're about to break, that's when you'll see Jehovah Nisi come in. And he will turn that thing for you, and he's not walking in with a little pink flag, okay, singing, uh, my banner over you is love. No, he's coming in with a war banner, and he's coming to empower you to fight. He's going to fight through you. He's going to fight for you. He's going to fight with you. And this is really also when you begin to discover the angelic realm of warring angels and, and and this this is very very uh fascinating but my friends we are living in a culture today it's almost like a sissy culture that says don't fight back just let them cut off our heads just let them degrade us just just let them uh embarrass us and humiliate us and we'll just stand there and act like it's okay because we're not supposed to fight back no but let me tell you something there's only one group on the face of this planet that isis fears and it, it is not the U.S. military. It is not uh, the U.K. military. It's not Turkey sending some of their troops against them. There's only one group that ISIS fears, and that's the IDF. That is the Israel Defense Forces and their special force units. And ISIS is terrified of those guys because they're mean and they are bad to the bone. They have been dealing with terrorism for thousands of years, and they know how to deal with terrorists. 
and ISIS is terrified of them. My friends, you have to learn how to fight and let the Holy Spirit come stand with you and fight for you and through you. Praise God. You know, uh, there's many martial arts on the world, but uh, around the world, but there's one that stands on a different level than all of them. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've been familiar with uh, many of them, and a lot of people, are, they've heard of, like, uh, karate and all the different forms of karate, whether it's kempo or this or that or the other. And then you have taekwondo, and so you have Japanese martial arts, and then you have uh, Korean martial arts, then you have all the Chinese martial arts of kung fu, and, and it goes on and on and on. But the Israelis developed their own martial art called Krav Maga, and it is designed to stay alive. It is designed to keep your enemy from killing you. Praise the Lord. And it's a different way of thinking. You know, because a, uh, a lot of the martial arts and even uh, mixed martial arts, uh, they are all still within the confinements of, of rules. But over in Krav Maga, there are no rules. If your enemy is trying to kill you, yes, you can bite him. You are authorized to fight back. Why? Because he's trying to kill you. He's trying to kill your family and your children. You are authorized to gouge his eyes out, bite his finger off. You can do anything you want to do. You can use anything you want to do. There are no rules that say you can't kick beneath the belt. You can kick, bite, gouge, do anything you want to do. Why? Because you're trying to stay alive. You didn't start it. They started it. You're just trying to protect yourself and live another day. My friends, you need to let that, that Israeli anointing touch you, that biblical anointing touch you, you need to connect with Jehovah Nissi. Praise God. You know what? I believe that some of you are facing some things. I've had some phone calls over the last few days of people. You're, you're, you're facing things. Something has come in that you didn't uh, expect, uh, and it tries to intimidate. It tries to cause problems, and it seems to be uh, of a domineering-type nature. Maybe they have more funding. Maybe they have uh, a large legal team, and they're just trying to cause unnecessary problems, and you haven't even done anything wrong. My friends, I want you to understand that you have a Jehovah Nisi in your corner, but you must know who he is. This is the Spirit of the Lord who lifts up a standard, who raises an armed defense against the enemy. Now, when we're talking about the enemy, many times we're not referring to people. Now, I know there's terrorist organizations and so forth, but most of the time what we're dealing with is evil spiritual forces, which is what Moses was dealing with up on that mountain, if you'll pray. God will begin to move. You still have to do some things in the natural, probably, okay? You might have to make a phone call. You might have to uh, fill out some paperwork, but God will help you, and you will come through this on top in victory. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for your people today that they come to know you as Jehovah Nissi, the Lord God who is their war banner. Lord, I thank you that when they see the banner, when they see the flags, it means that you are coming to war with them to fight. And Lord, we thank you. You've never lost a battle, and you're going to help us to go from victory unto victory. Now, Father, we praise you. Bless your people. If there's any struggle that they're in, anything they're facing that would seem to suppress, oppress, or hold them down, oh God, break it for them in the name of Jesus we thank you for your mighty power. We worship you. Please lift your hands right now. Oh, God, we worship you as Jehovah Nissi. You are the Lord God who is our banner. You are our war banner. You mount an armed defense on our behalf. Oh, God, we praise you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, you can see why the Lord would need some various names. This is quite a contrast from Jehovah Shalom, isn't it? The Lord God who is my peace. And then you just sit down by next to a stream and you play a harp and you sing some nice songs. This is quite a contrast, isn't it? That's why God has compound names because he's very, very richly faceted. My, my friends, you're going to know Jehovah Nissi in your life. Okay, let's celebrate Jehovah Nissi today by taking Holy Communion. Praise God. Please grab some unleavened bread, and let's take the body of Christ together today, as you're going to be experiencing, praise the Lord, you're going to be experiencing breakthrough. Hallelujah. Breakthrough and victory in your life. Hallelujah. It's a tremendous week of pressing through in prayer. 
Mm, mm, mm. I, know, I know you might want to let your hands down. Keep your hands up, okay? Keep your hands up. You're going to get this victory. The Lord's going to fight for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ as we receive it now. We receive the revelation, oh God, that you are our Jehovah Nissi. We are so glad that we have you in our lives. Oh God, manifest your arm defense against the enemy in our lives. Let not the enemy, the powers of darkness, let them not triumph over us. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, grab yourself some grape juice. Let's take the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. That makes it all possible. That we are in the family of God now through his shed blood. Father, we thank you that his victory is our victory. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our Jehovah Nissi. Oh God, we praise you. We thank you that as we see banners and flags, we'll think of you. As we see the standard raised, the, the war standard, that means there's going to be a fight. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God. Father, give us that heart. Give us that heart uh, of, of strength, of courage. O oh God, touch us with it right now. Dispel all fear in the name of Jesus. Let us sense your presence and know that you are near. Oh, God, we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, God's going to make a mighty warrior out of you. Some of you are being transformed into tremendous prayer warriors, and it's going to completely alter the outcome of your life. Instead of being like a normal, dull-type life, it's going to be so rich and fulfilling because God is making you a mighty prayer warrior. All right, let's receive now the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, exercise, hands up, just like Moses, right? Okay, Aaron and her on your sides. Okay, well, we know they're off the scene, but you can at least vision them being there, okay? Hands up, arms up, praying and praising the Lord. Okay, now you don't literally have to do that, but it's a good idea just to identify with it. Now with me, let's join in worship. Oh God, we just praise you. We thank you for the victory. Oh God, we thank you for breakthroughs and miracles. Oh God, we thank you that your blessings will not be denied. We thank you, oh God, that your angels are working mightily in our lives. We thank you for breakthroughs. Now, Father, we thank you for the victory. We thank you, oh God. We keep the praise uh, flowing. We keep the prayers ascending. And we thank you, Father God, that the angels are working. And we bless you for it in the name of Jesus. Oh God, you are our Jehovah Nissi. And we give you praise. You are our war banner. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, you have a spectacular week. As I'm praying for you, and also, as many of you are continuing on in the night school of the Spirit, okay, taking your flight classes at night, your spiritual flight lessons, be consistent, be faithful in your walk with the Lord in that as a fresh anointing is coming upon you, all right? And keep seeking the Lord with all of your heart, and I'll see you back next week, back in the anointed and rich Word of God. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.